Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Health Mantra with me, Dr. Stacey Fernandez. In the studio with me today is Dr. Nathaniel Pinto, consultant pediatrician at Manipal Hospital, Goa. Dr. Nathaniel completed his MBBS at the Goa Medical College and went on to study MD Pediatrics and now practices at Manipal Hospital, Goa. Dr. Nathaniel, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Stacey, and thank you, Prudent Media, for having me here on this stage. Yes. So, Doctor, today we, we will be discussing about immunizations in children. So, just to give a brief to our viewers, what exactly is the history of immunization in India as well as in the world? Yes. Uh, in India, uh, the immunization was started as a part of the expanded uh, program on immunization in 1978. Right. Then onwards, in 1985, it was named as the Universal Immunization Program or UIP. Okay, that's what we know it as of today. Mm. And in 1997, it got uh, incorporated into the National Pro Reproductive and Child Health Program. Mm. So from then onwards, it has been a part of this. So this is a brief history of our uh, immunization program, how it was uh, instituted and where it is now. Right. So, it is mandatory for every child who is born in India to be immunized? Definitely. It is uh, uh, definitely recommended and this is what we will be discussing today. Why? What is the importance of, of uh, doing so? Yes. So, Doctor, how do vaccines exactly work on children? Yeah. Uh, so, vaccines form a part of an immunity called active immunity. Okay. And there is something called passive immunity. Now, what right. is this active immunity? Active immunity is something that is triggered in the body after an organism, an infectious organism enters the body mm -hmm. and this in turn uh, causes the immune system to be activated. Okay? So what a vaccine does is vaccine mimics a natural infection. A natural infection would cause a full-blown disease but mm -hmm. what a vaccine does is it causes a subclinical kind of infection. Patient doesn't manifest with the symptoms yet it does the job of activating the immune system so that the child reacts to that particular vaccine, to that particular organism and develops immunity also against it without suffering from the disease. Doctor, what are the broad categories that vaccines can be divided into? Yes, so broadly we can divide uh, the vaccines into two types. One is the live attenuated vaccines and the second one is the inactivated vaccines. Now what is the difference between the two is that the live attenuated vaccines uh, the particle or the organism is a live one, understood? Na? And what happens in that is that it induces a long, long lasting immunity. Right. Whereas the inactivated vaccines, uh, the organisms is either killed or inactivated, or there is a component of the uh, organism which is put into the vaccine. Right. So in these cases, it is not as effective as the, as the uh, live vaccine. However, uh, uh, it has some substances called adjuvants. Yes. which are put in the vaccine to increase the immunization effect. Yeah. So in this case, in inactivated vaccines, uh, the immunity is short lasting as compared to the live attenuated vaccine. So the examples of the live vaccines would be BCG, uh, the oral polio, yes. uh, something known as MMR, you must have heard measles, yes, mumps, measles, rubella, mumps, rubella and the chickenpox vaccine. Right. These are examples of live attenuated vaccine where the component or the microorganism is live. Is in, this, okay? in the inactivated vaccine, you have various subtypes which are uh, something like the whole cell inactivated, right. example is pertussis. Then you have the subunit vaccine in which part of the virus is put into is the put vaccine. Into Example would be uh, flu vaccine, tetanus, diphtheria vaccine. Okay, so these broadly would be the two types of vaccines. Right. 
So, doctor, how would a vaccination schedule look for a child in, in his or her first year of life? Yes. Uh, so, according to the universal immunization program, uh, we start right at birth. Within 24 hours of birth, after the baby is born, okay. we give three doses. One okay. is something called the BCG. Now, the BCG vaccine is given against severe forms of TB. So, the child remains protected against severe forms of uh, tuberculosis. Uh, especially the disseminated TB or the TB meningitis. This is given right at birth. Mm -hmm. uh, along with this, the oral polio vaccine is also given and the hepatitis B vaccine. So, the child gets two injectable doses, that is the BCG and the hepatitis B and one oral polio dose at birth. Then right after birth, uh, at one and a half month, two and a half month and three and a half month, we have the same doses of the primary immunization. Now, which doses are covered according to the universal immunization program is oral polio. Mm -hmm. So, again, oral polio dose is given one and a half month, two and a half month, three and a half month. Along with this, we have a vaccine called pentavalent vaccine, which covers five diseases. Uh, then we have the uh, injectable inactivated polio vaccine, which is also given as a separate dose. And finally, we have the oral rotavirus vaccine. So, the child uh, usually receives uh, two oral doses, rotavirus and the oral polio and three injectables, which are the pentavalent, uh, the inactivated polio and the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine. And this schedule continues up to three and a half months. Okay. Right after three and a half months, we directly move to nine months. There is nothing in between. So, at nine months, we have the uh, measles and the rubella vaccine. In the UIP schedule, MR is given instead of MMR. Mm. Then we have the Japanese encephalitis vaccine and again a booster dose of the pneumococcal vaccine, which is the PCV is given along with one more dose of the injectable polio, inactivated polio vaccine. Right. So, in the first year of life, uh, these are the doses that the child would receive. Right. So, doctor, I think this schedule is fixed for every child. I mean, invariably, every child will receive this fixed schedule of vaccination. Over and above this, is there any optional vaccines which are available for children? Yes. Uh, uh, there is very uh, uh, less knowledge about these optional vaccines, especially uh, if uh, the patient is going to the health center or the government institution for vaccination, because these vaccines, although very important, are not a part of the universal immunization schedule. Uh, starting with uh, the flu vaccine, you must have heard of it, uh, which is very important to be given at six months, one dose at six months and the second dose of the flu vaccine is given at seven months. Now, okay. the flu vaccine protects against severe infections by the influenza virus. Mm. Uh, it prevents the child from repeated colds due to the influenza virus. This vaccine, uh, flu vaccine is repeated on an annual basis up till five years of age. So, this mm -hmm. would be the first optional vaccine. Uh, the second optional vaccine would be uh, hepatitis A vaccine. Okay, uh, this protects against a disease which mainly uh, uh, affects the liver, causes jaundice, and is right. transmitted to contaminated food or water. Water. Yeah. So this is given at around uh, the first dose we give between 12 to 13 months of age, and the second dose is given at around between 18 to 20 months of age. So it's a, a two-dose schedule separated by mm -hmm. six months. The third optional vaccine would be uh, the varicella or chickenpox. So again, the first dose of this vaccine is given at 15 months and the second dose is again given between 18 to 20 months. So there has to be a minimum gap of 3 to 6 months uh, between the two doses that are given. 
and the fourth one and uh, a very important dose not to be missed is the typhoid vaccine uh, mm. which is given between 6 to 9 months okay uh, and uh, uh, we give a booster dose at around uh, 2 years of age right. so uh, these are the optional vaccines that uh, uh, are very important uh, and uh, can be taken outside the uh, government program yeah right so, doctor, what are the most common uh, side effects that you see after a vaccine is being administered to a child? I mean, side effects as in the immune system usually kicks in once you give a vaccine and that is there will be, there will be fever and there will be certain symptoms. But over and above this, are there any adverse uh, symptoms that you have come across once a vaccine is given to a patient? Uh, so, most of the side effects following uh, vaccination are very mild as you said. Uh, they might be limited to fever for just 24 hours. Uh, there might be pain at the injection site. Rarely there might be a small swelling at the injection site. Right. In most children, these are the side effects that are seen. The serious side effects are very, very rare. Uh, the incidence of these uh, side effects is very rare. Some of them may be uh, after uh, the polio, oral polio vaccine, uh, you can get uh, vaccine uh, associated paralytic polio which is quite rare. Right. Uh, this is when the vaccine virus becomes uh, uh, activated, activated and causes the paralytic polio. Okay. Uh, second would be after uh, the pertussis vaccination, the child can get uh, inconsolable screaming episodes, rarely may get a seizure mm -hmm. and rarely something called as hypotensive, hyporesponsive episodes. But these kind of side effects are extremely rare mm -hmm. okay although they are mentioned in theory but in practice you, uh, you hardly come across them yeah. following mmr vaccination you can have some rare side effects like thrombocytopenia where the platelet count can go down but again these are uh, very rare very but most rare. common ones that we see are uh, just fever for around 24 hours the child might be slightly cranky or irritable yes. uh, there might be pain at the site of injection and there might be slight redness or swelling at the site of injection that's that's about it right doctor as you said vaccination is mandatory <coughs> for every child but are there any contraindications to vaccination yes uh, so the contraindications to vaccination are very few uh, one of the side effects that I forgot to mention earlier is something called anaphylaxis. So mm -hmm. anaphylaxis is something like a severe allergic reaction right. uh, to the components of the vaccine. And uh, this can be unpredictable because that kind of allergy might have not manifested in the child earlier. Before. And, yeah, and may manifest only on giving the vaccine. Mm. So if the child has received a particular vaccine and has developed anaphylaxis to it, you have, you cannot repeat the same dose again, again for the child because the child had developed a severe uh, reaction. reaction. So that is one uh, main contraindication to vaccination. Mm -hmm. uh, another contraindication would be in patients, in children with egg allergy, the yellow fever vaccine which is there cannot be cannot received. Be but uh, MMR vaccine, many patients feel that uh, uh, MMR vaccine also contains egg but that is not true. MMR vaccine is safe to be given in children with egg allergy. It is a yellow fever vaccine that has to be, has to be avoided. avoided. And uh, as I said, uh, in children who have got anaphylaxis, they have uh, they should not receive the same dose same again. Dose so again. that so would be a contraindication. They won't be getting the booster dose. You to yes, say. yes, it is uh, prudent to avoid it. Right, yes. doctor. What would be the common post care uh, tips you would like to share with parents who, after their child has been vaccinated? 
so in my practice i usually tell the parents uh, what are the side effects that they could expect after mm. the vaccination mm. main thing to do is immediately after the vaccination keep the child around for at least 20 minutes in the clinic to see if the child is having any reaction, any sort of reaction. immediate reaction to the vaccination right second thing i tell the parents uh, please keep paracetamol with you in case the child gets fever or pain uh, the paracetamol dose uh, one paracetamol dose uh, should help in uh, relieving the symptoms or if there is swelling at the injection site a little bit of uh, uh, ice wrapped in a cloth and held against the limb will also give uh, a lot of relief to the child right so uh, these are the common things that the parents can do uh, to take away the pain that might be present because of the vaccination right doctor is there any particular way that a vaccine has to be stored or you just go to the pharmacy and you buy it and you take it yeah so uh, we call it cold chain now what is cold chain uh, cold chain is the process of uh, storage uh, and transportation of the vaccines in a particular set environment okay set temperatures because these vaccines are extremely sensitive to heat hmm. they get spoilt on exposure to heat or if that particular temperature is not, not maintained so uh, you should have the correct equipment for storage of vaccines uh, the personnel who are involved in handling the vaccine should also be trained in how to track this temperature how to maintain the equipment yeah. and obviously uh, people who are administering the vaccines also need to know how to take care now uh, usually at the pharmacy level or at the pediatricians level uh, there needs to be a ice line refrigerator hmm. usually with a, uh, a temperature charting and uh, thermoregulator that usually records the temperature and keeps it set between 2 to 8 degrees celsius right. this is the temperature that we need the vaccines to be at uh, to be effective anything below that anything above that the vaccines will lose their potency so monitoring the temperature using the specialized refrigerators and probes is very important to maintain the potency of this vaccine also when vaccines are being transported they have to be uh, packed in vaccine carriers or ice lined boxes so that the temperature is still maintained and uh, even if a multi dose vial is opened the uh, multi dose vial should be kept in a ice pack uh, uh, when it is being used and then transported back for uh the next use in these set conditions so cold chain is very important to maintain uh, so that uh, the potency and efficacy of the vaccine, of the vaccine is maintained is and we give the uh, proper uh, vaccine to the child and not the ineffective one right so doctor we heard this term herd immunity being used very commonly during the covid-19 pandemic could you enlighten our viewers on the term what exactly is herd immunity yeah uh, herd immunity is usually the immunity of a population mm. due to the immunization or natural infection right. so the uh, people can get uh, immunity either through the infection natural infection mm. or through vaccination right now this is different from herd protection or herd effect what is herd protection is that the individuals in the community who are unvaccinated who have mm. not taken the vaccine or have not suffered from the particular disease they are also safe from the particular disease on account of immunity of the other of people of the other people so because of this the disease will not get transmitted among these people and uh, the unvaccinated individual will be protected mm. against this disease now it works only for uh, infectious diseases which spread from one person to another mm. other diseases such as tetanus which one contracts like from the surrounding like from soil or infected wound it doesn't work for that because these diseases are not transmissible 
so it works for diseases which are infectious contagious between people right doctor in spite of the government's uh, you know initiatives of making immunization mandatory for every child there is a certain level of hesitancy vaccine hesitancy as we say that we still see even in nowadays so how do you deal with this uh, vaccine hesitancy in your practice yeah so this is a thing vaccine hesitancy is a thing which is coming up in a big way in mm -hmm. recent times uh, usually there are three points which are involved in vaccine hesitancy one is confidence one is complacency and one is convenience mm. now confidence meaning lack of confidence in the health service provider or the okay. government institution okay what kind of vaccines are they giving us mm. maybe it's not of good quality okay right. they don't trust the health provider enough to get these to vaccines, get these vaccines. second would be complacency does my child really need so many doses is it important i don't see this vaccine preventable disease around so mm. does my child really need this uh, dose so that is where the complacency sets in and third would be convenience ah the health center is far away from my mm. house i have to travel so much so i'm not going to do it so these are the three points that play a big role in vaccine hesitancy and this would be the reason many children would remain unimmunized mm. and which is not good overall now right. what do we do to get over is it that uh, we have to talk to the parents we have to have a positive conversation with them ask them what are the reasons they feel uh, they don't want to give vaccine to their child find out the reason find out the sources of information that they have gathered this particular information from yes uh, and uh, try to understand and then try to correct them so you will provide them with evidence showing the effectiveness of the vaccines uh, you will uh, tell them how these vaccines have gone through various clinical trials and they are right. extremely safe to use okay and finally uh, the role of social media also and influencers obviously mm. in propagating the importance of the vaccines and the need to immunize the children this should this would also go a long way in uh, solving this problem of vaccine hesitancy right so doctor in your practice what is the most common questions you get asked by parents on vaccination and what are the common myths you also encounter that parents have with regards to vaccination yes uh, so most common questions that are asked by parents are uh, uh, what side effects will this vaccine uh, give to my yeah. child uh, second thing would be uh, are so many doses necessary uh, this is the most commonly asked question then it is important to tell them uh, that why these many doses because uh, there's something called priming and there's something called boosting yeah. as we start the immunization schedule early on there is something called mother's antibodies which are passed on from the mother to the child in the first 6 months yes so these antibodies can interfere with the vaccine so that's why we have to give more number of doses so that we can overcome this second thing is that a baby's immune system is immature it is still developing so it needs more number of doses to achieve that level of antibodies right second question they ask is uh, if you have to give so many doses because the baby's uh, immune system is uh, immature why have to give them early why you can't give it later when the baby's immune system is right. immature so the answer to that is that the vaccine preventable diseases which are there which are covered by this immunization are most common and they cause most amount of morbidity and mortality in developed countries like uh, developing countries like us yeah. is in the early phase in infancy so we need to protect the babies in this early period of life right that is the most important part that's why we start the immunization early and that's why these many doses are required and we cannot delay it beyond 
Right. So this is the uh, uh, this is uh, uh, how I answer this question. Second thing, very commonly I get asked is that my child has a cold and cough, hmm. so we'll delay the vaccination uh, by one week or two weeks. So that is not true. When the child is having a cold or cough, it doesn't need to be delayed. Mm -hmm. It will not interfere with the uh, immune response of the child to that particular infection or it will not overburden the immunity. Only time we may delay it a bit is in case the child is having a high fever. And right. the reason for that is that if the vaccine given is also causing fever as a side effect, then we would not know whether it is due to the uh, vaccine or due to the infection that the child is having. Right. So that would be the only reason I would postpone the dose. Uh, third thing I get asked is, is there any link between uh, autism and vaccination, especially mm -hmm. MMR vaccine? So uh, there was a study which was conducted uh, back in early 2000 by uh, Wakefield and all. Uh, and it was published in the Lancet that showed uh, a correlation between MMR vaccination, autism and uh, 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 Autism. Small bowel yeah. and small bowel infection. So he showed that these were related. But later on, uh, when investigation was done, it was found that all his data was mm -hmm. um, uh, made up uh, and he had tempered with the data to get significant results. Okay. When subsequent around 10 to 12 studies were done to prove the same correlation, they did not find any correlation. Subsequently, this study was taken back by Lancet and the uh, licensing, the medical license of this particular doctor also it was, was cancelled. So, right. uh, but it did the damage of uh, sowing the seeds of doubt in the people's mind, which till date people have this doubt. Yeah. So, I would like to say there is absolutely no correlation between autism and MMR vaccine or any vaccine for that matter. Right. So, these are the few questions I get asked often. Most often. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, Doctor, the coronavirus is not completely eradicated. I mean, it still lurks in the shadows and we always find patients coming up, uh, turning up COVID positive. And while the adult population is, uh, most of the adult population is already vaccinated, what are your thoughts on uh, vaccination in children, as in the COVID-19 vaccination for children? Yeah. So, there are, there are four vaccines currently which are licensed for use in children. But most of them are licensed for children about 12 years of age, mm. not below that. Now, the Corbivax vaccine is the only one which is licensed for around 5 to 12 years of age. Okay. The other vaccines which include the co-vaccine uh, manufactured by Bharat Biotech, which was one of the initial vaccines, yes. uh, that is given for children about 12 years of age. Mm. And it's a two-dose schedule uh, given at uh, on day 0 and day 28. Uh, and other vaccines include Zykov uh, vaccine by Zydus Cadilla, which is the DNA vaccine. This okay. is also a two-day schedule. And finally, we have the Covovax also, uh, also a two-dose schedule given at 0 to 28 days. Right. So, out of these vaccines, only Corbivax is the one which is um, uh, given to children between 5 to 12 years of age. In terms of the side effects of these vaccines, uh, there is usually a mild pain, fever, yeah. Uh, pain at the injection site, as I said, these are the common side effects. And there were some reports of uh, myocarditis or pericarditis in adolescent children, about right. 50, around 15 to 18 years of age group, getting myocarditis or pericarditis, but there were no f fatalities reported in this. So right. it was kind of a self-resolving thing within a month or so. Yes. Doctor, are there any new developments in vaccines that have come or any new vaccines that have been introduced uh, in the recent times? 
Yes. Uh, so, there are some new vaccines that have been introduced and some vaccines in the pipeline, uh, which is very exciting news. Uh, malaria vaccine is being used in Africa uh, against Plasmodium falciferum, the severe form of malaria. Mm -hmm. And it is licensed for use by WHO for children more than five months of age. It's usually a three-dose schedule, four weeks apart, followed by a booster 12 months later. Yeah. We also have the uh, dengue vaccine coming up which would be quite a, uh, uh, which would be a really good news, for, especially for people in Goa, as we see dengue virus everywhere. Uh, however, these are in the initial phases of clinical trial and the initial uh, uh, results of these trials are not very encouraging. So, only efficacy of around 30-35%. So, we might have to wait some more time before we get an effective dengue vaccine. And we also have vaccine against something known as respiratory syncytial virus, RSV. Right. Okay, there's something called ResVax, mm. but uh, it is also not shown promising results. So we might again have to wait five to ten years. This RSV is a virus which causes um, uh, something called chest infection called bronchiolitis in infants. Right. So that is also a vaccine which we are looking forward to. And there are some more, like there's a recombinant BCG vaccine which is coming up. Then we have the uh, Shigella vaccine which is coming up against uh, diarrheal diseases. And we have, uh, we already have the Ebola vaccine which mm. is being used in Africa for uh, adults more than uh, 18 years of age. Right. So doctor, as we come towards the end of this episode, what would be your message to all our viewers, especially parents, on the immunization and vaccination schedule for their children? Yes, uh, most important message would be not to skip any vaccination. Uh, right. Go ahead, take the optional vaccines as well. Yes. Don't uh, be overtly worried about the side effects of these vaccines as most of them are minor. Yeah. Hardly there are any serious side effects. And uh, last would be uh, uh, using social media uh, to propagate the message that vaccines are safe and yes. the importance of vaccines is also something I would like to uh, stress upon. Right. Thank you, Dr. Nathaniel, for being uh, available to us and spending time with us and giving us so much information on vaccination and immunization. Dr. Nathaniel Pinto is available at Manipal Hospitals Goa every day, Monday to Saturday, for consultations. Till, until the next episode of Health Mantra, take care of yourselves, stay fit, stay healthy, and keep watching Prudent.